Episode 40, Seeing the Future, the Art of Anticipation. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. The podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. And welcome to The Game Changers and Jason Jennings. So great to be with you today. Dale, it's uh, great to be with you, too. I understand you had a great day out on a pontoon boat on a mountain lake. I mean, that's pretty nice. You know what? Uh, I'm in Idaho, and you're in California, and it's it's one of the reasons I think we love living in the states we live in. It's because there's so much to do right out your back door. So, I, In fact, earlier today, I had an opportunity to do about an eight-mile hike around one of our well, we'd call it a mountain lake here, too, at about uh, 1,500 to 2,000 feet, not nearly as high as yours, but it was uh, it was very, very nice. Cool deal. Well, uh, I walked in the door, I opened up my email, and you said, I want to talk about seeing the future, the art of anticipation. <sighs> you know, I always, I like to tell people, I don't have a crystal ball. I have no idea what the future holds. So the question is, is there a way to see the future? You know, every time I'm, I'm asked that question, I, I'm, I'm reminded of this exercise that the magazine The Economist has done a number of times. They began it 20 years ago, and, uh, and they repeat it every couple of years. And uh, for the exercise, what they do is they go to uh, four of the top economists uh, in the UK and four Oxford graduate students and then four garbage men. This is uh, sounding and- like a joke. Are you saying, no, 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 no. They no. walk in a bar? Okay. That's, that's exactly right. And, 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 of course, in the UK, in Great Britain, uh, garbage men are called the dustmen. Uh, but we'll call them garbage men. And, uh, and what they do is they ask them to forecast out 10 years what things are going to look like. And in every – it's my understanding, and I've seen a couple of them. In every single one of the studies, uh, the, uh, the four dustmen or the four garbage men have done a better job of uh, figuring out what the future is going to be than the four top-ranked economists or the four Oxford students. And, and you know, the funny thing is, I mean, from the days of uh, uh, the Oracle of Delphi uh, to Billy Bob's future-telling services, uh, I mean, everybody would like to know the, the future, but I'm always reminded of a comment by Peter Drucker, who said, uh, the future cannot be known. But here's what we know about it. Uh, It will be different uh, than what exists now, and it will be different than what we imagine it will be. So I don't think anybody – I've never met anybody who can see the future. However, I've had the opportunity to get close to a number of people who do a real great job of anticipating. Uh, Do you want to hear a couple of quick stories? I was going to – absolutely. There's a difference, though, between the seeing the future or predicting the future and anticipating. So that's the the key differentiator is in the topic in in what we're calling today's podcast. Exactly. Uh, There is no way to see the future, but you can anticipate what it's going to be. Let me tell you about a guy I got to know about 10 years ago. Uh, His name is Leopoldo Fernando Pajals. He grew up in Cuba, spent a bunch of time in the United States, went to university here. Johnson & Johnson sent him to Spain. And uh, and he somehow one day realized that he was not going to get the top job in Spain. And so he, he started thinking about things. And one of the things he noticed was that women in Spain were joining the workforce in droves. And and what he realized, the more he thought about it, is with men working all day, women working all day, and the Spanish workday sometimes ends at 7, 8, or 9 o'clock at night, he said there's no way, uh, there's absolutely no way uh, that women are are not going to be too tired to cook. Now, the problem is, so he decided to go in the pizza business. 
Uh, and he opened up a, a company called Telepizza, a pizza delivery company. And uh, Pizza Hut had failed in Spain. A number of other American companies had failed in Spain. So he did some other things that we'll talk about one day. But, but he anticipated women were going to go into the workforce in droves. They'd be too tired at night. He opened up his first restaurant. One of the great things he did is measured every single thing. He's like Captain Metric. That allowed him to replicate and build a 1,000 stores in fewer than 10 years. And then he sold it for $2.5 billion. And so what Leo Fernando Pujols had done is he had anticipated. And then somebody else that I got to know quite well is, uh, and when I mention his company, uh, you'll, you'll know who I'm talking about. His name is Sabir Bhatia. And uh, he came to the United States as an immigrant from India. And, and he was a computer engineer. And he and a friend uh, were working on a JavaSoft project. But, but they had a real problem moving files from one's computer to the other computer and downloading them and putting them on diskettes and giving them to the other person. And they said, God, wouldn't it be great? It, it, you know what everybody needs? Everybody needs a private email address. And they created a little company called Hotmail, which generated like 50 million users, I mean, almost overnight. And then they sold it to Microsoft for a half billion dollars. So in the case of Leopoldo Fernando Pujals and in the case of Sabir Bhatia, here are two people, just like the two of us, Dale, just like everybody listening, regular people. But they took the time, I mean, to kind of wonder what the future was going to look like. They did a good job of anticipating. And in getting to know these men and getting to know other people and studying them for my books, I actually believe there's uh, five things that anybody listening can do uh, to be able to become a much better anticipator of the future. Yeah, and it reminds me of a story that that I've heard uh, told a number of times by a number of different people about Wayne Gretzky, and they've asked he's he was asked why he was the greatest player, and he said, "I really don't think I'm the greatest player. He just I'm the best person out on the ice that's able to see where that puck's going to be." That's exactly right. He's he, a, he anticipates yeah. where the puck's going to be. Yeah, so that's yeah, what, he never. Yeah, he never skated to where the puck was because he wasn't going to be there for long. He uh, anticipated where the puck was going to be. So, should we get into our five steps? Absolutely. Yeah, let's okay. let's go through. All them. right. All right. Step number one uh, in in kind of dissecting and taking apart these people and what they do. Uh, one of the things they've all done a good job of is they understand that taking one look backwards is actually worth. 10 looks forward, simply because the future is going to repeat itself over and over and over again. Uh, one of the best examples uh, I can come up with for you right now is uh, imagine the way that uh, starting 100 years ago, department stores in the United States and Canada began destroying local merchants. And the local merchants were up in arms. These big stores are putting us out of business. And they reigned supreme for a while. But then what happened? All of a sudden, we had malls and the big boxes, which destroyed department stores across America. I mean, how many national department store chains can you name in America today? And there's not more than two or three. I mean, down from literally scores, if not hundreds, not that many years ago. And so the malls and the big boxes destroyed them. And now take a look at what's happening. I mean, with Amazon and everything online, uh, they're almost making those big boxes obsolete. I mean, it, it would appear that Best Buy is holding on. All these, be all these big boxes are having tremendous problems. So what, what it always comes down to, it comes down to the, the, what is the most effective cost of connecting communities and connecting goods with customers. And so 
take one look back. Uh, become a historian. Uh, read history. Uh, because what took place before is probably going to happen again. So that would be number one on my list. And and we saw that, but when uh, with the uh, with Telepizza, he he took one look back to look at the data of what was happening in the workforce, right. which gave him the ability to look forward to yep. anticipate a need. Yep. Okay. So item number two. Item number two. I love this story. And, and when Sabir Bhatia, uh, to, uh, who founded Hotmail, told me the story, the guy actually, and I'm not exaggerating, I mean, I was, it, it was belly laughs. I was almost on the floor laughing so hard. And uh, one of Sabir Bhatia's watchwords is this. You need to question every single thing. And as a young kid growing up in India, um, he knew that cows were revered beasts and that Hindus don't eat beef because of the reverential status that cows have. And so he started asking people. He said, now, why is the cow holy? Uh, Why is the cow revered? And nobody could tell him. I mean, it was just something that everybody accepted, but nobody had a reason for it. And he kept digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. And what he finally came up with after a number of years of study was the reason the cow was revered because at one point in history, the cow had been so much more valuable for the milk that it produced that they said, no, no, you cannot eat that cow because it's more valuable for its milk. But in the process over hundreds of years, what happened is people started to say, well, the cow was holy. That's why we can't eat it. And he said, that's not the case at all. And he said, so therefore, I'm uh, one Hindu who gets to eat a lot of uh, McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> and that's the part that made me laugh. Oh, so question everything, even those things that you think are sacred. Go after the sacred cows. <laughs> very good. Very good. All Go right. after the sacred cow. Very clever. Very, oh, very well, good. I don't deal. know about that. Yeah, question, absolutely question everything. Ha- have a questioning mind. That, that would be number two on my list. And number three. Number three, uh, and I don't think there's anybody from uh, who more than I, uh, in the perspective that I have in in studying large, small, medium-sized businesses all around the world, everybody is so busy working for their business or in their business that they never have an opportunity to work on their business. And so in one of my books, uh, we analyzed what truly great, successful business people do against the also-rans or against the people who don't achieve their full economic potential. And one of the things we found is they routinely take time off, leave their business, whether it's one day a month, whether it's two days a month, whether it's one day a week, and all they do during that day is they work on their business instead of working in their business or working for their business. You know it as well as I do. I mean, you walk in the door. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I told you I was going to have such an easy week last week because for the first week since the first of the year, I was going to be off the road. Well, hallelujah. I mean, you walk in the office the first day back, and all of a sudden, wham! I mean, there's 10 million things to deal with. That happens to everybody. You actually have to schedule yourself out of your business prefer a minimum of one day a month just to work on your business and get off site and away from the potential of the ever happening emergency 
Yeah, and uh, as part of that, and we talked about this several weeks ago, to be a worthy podcast for everyone to listen to, uh, you know, a good part of that is is when you get off-site. Uh, you know, spend a half a day working on your business in your own head. Probably wouldn't hurt you to spend, uh, you know, four or five hours just going out talking to customers at random as well. Excellent point. All right, on to number four. Number four, uh, we learned from a big bank in Britain, uh, and it's become a scenario planner. It's always asking the question, what if this would happen? What if that would happen? What would we do if this happened? And, and the story is this. Uh, there was a big British bank. Uh, it had four or 500 branches scattered across the country. The uh, managing director, what we call the CEO, uh, was not comfortable with the pace of progress uh, being, uh, happening in the, within the bank. And so what he did is uh, he called his top couple of hundred people together and at an off-site meeting for a couple of days, and he said, I have just received some very grim news. He said, one of our very large competitors, I'm not going to tell you who it is right now, but one of our very large competitors, within the next six months, is about to have a branch bank open within one block of every single one of our branches. What are we going to do? Well, apparently, I mean, it, it just became a free-for-all. And the next couple of days where we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do this, we have to do this. And at the end of the two days, he got up and said, well, uh, I fibbed. Uh, one of our main competitors is not going to be opening a branch bank within a block of ours. He said, but guess what? I love what you've come up with, and they very well could. So we're going to begin implementing the entire program tomorrow. I'm I'm processing all of that in my head. So basically, you run a fire drill. Yep. As one of the ways to do that, and yep. and yep. just and let the creativity flow, and then yes, I would guess an important piece of that is also being ready to implement some of those great ideas. Yes, because it would have been uh, easy for bottom, everybody just to say, ah, oh, it doesn't, you know, yeah, yep. it's not going to happen. Yeah, and the bottom line, Dale, is this, and it's in my book, It's Not the Big That Eat the Smallest, Fast That Eat the Slow, uh, the book on speed. Um, however, the bank, over the next year, two years, and three years, uh, became the most profitable financial institution uh, in, in Great Britain. You've got to act like somebody's biting at your heels. All right, number uh, five. Because, because they are. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. they are. Number five. Number five, and then we'll do a quick review. Uh, you know, and I talk about this so often when we talk. Uh, it's, it's be empathetic. It's be interested. Figure out how other people feel. Figure out how other people are thinking what they are thinking about. The other night I was, I was laying in bed. Normally my head hits the pillow and, and I'm gone. Um, but I was laying there the other night and I started to chuckle. And what I was chuckling about was this. I imagined that I was in a shoe store and I, and I went into this shoe store, I mean, to buy a pair of shoes. And all of a sudden, the shoe store salesman said, ah, Jason, nice to meet you. Have I got shoes for you. You sit down right here. And so the first thing he brought out was a little tiny petite set of pink pumps. I said, well, that's not it. He said, well, I've got just the thing for you. And he brought out a set of fishing waders. And I said, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking at. And soon I'm surrounded by hundreds of boxes of shoes. And I mean, I'm trying on every inappropriate piece of footwear. Well, of course, it wouldn't happen. I mean, because when you walk into a shoe store or you walk into a Nordstrom's, it's what size shoe do you take? What style are you looking for? I mean, what colors are you looking for? Otherwise, I mean, you could have mass chaos and be buried under hundreds of boxes of shoes. 
But you'd be amazed, Dale. You'd be absolutely amazed at how many people exact, do exactly that. They are so busy selling what they want to sell and telling what they want to tell that they absolutely fail to be empathetic and to be interested. So be interested. Uh, develop it as a character trait. And then shut up and listen. Think shoes. Think shoes. Yeah, the, the person selling shoes does not try to make you fit into whatever it is he or she wants. They truly listen. That's, that's a great analogy and something to keep in mind. So, so to go through those one more time, one All look right. backwards is worth 10 looks forward. Yes. Question everything. Think about the sacred cow. Stop working for your business. Work on your business. And you say that you've got to take at least one day a month and get off-site to do that. You've yep. got to become a scenario planner, asking the what-ifs all the time. And the British banking story was fantastic to, to bring that home. And then finally, be interested. Be empathetic. Shoes. And you know Think what, shoes. Dale? I, l- listen, uh, I'm not delusional. I-, I know that nobody has the opportunity to listen to one of these podcasts and spend the rest of their week doing every single thing that we just talked about that week. That's why they should probably go back and listen to the podcast and send them off to other people. But I would say this. It becomes a game changer if you just take one thing and, and-, and do one thing that we talked about today you're going to be so much better off in your business. Absolutely. Pick the one thing. Hey, Jason, we need to say thank you. We've had some people who are leaving uh, reviews and ratings on iTunes for the podcast. Yes. And so a big thanks goes out to uh, Bryce Sloan and Scott Evans. Both of them have left ratings and reviews on the podcast. And we're going to be, there are still more there. And we're going to be thanking people by name uh, that they leave there on the podcast ratings and reviews on iTunes. We're going to thank you every week as we go through this process. And so we want to say thanks to those folks for doing that. Be sure to leave your review on podcast. You can find Jason's books at bookstores. He's in the process of working on one right now. He won't tell us the name. The most recent is The Reinventors, and uh, it's definitely worth the read. Any, any parting words for folks? Uh, my parting words uh, would be this. Uh, I, I saw some numbers the other day that some of these podcasts are being downloaded as many as 15,000, 17,000 times. And, uh, I, I, and I forget the grand total number since we began this 40 weeks ago, but it's a huge, huge, huge number. Th- this is just so much fun. And I love it as well. We'll be back next week with the next edition, and we look forward to it. Jason, have a great week. Uh, have a great one, Dale. We'll share a cup of coffee again very soon. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.